As certified financial planners, we've seen firsthand how financial wellness is connected to other areas of wellness in our lives. Join us as we explore the relationship between our physical, emotional, and financial well-being and share the habits and tools we found effective in the pursuit of a balanced, intentional life. I'm Lauren. I'm Donna Grace. This is Life Rebalanced. For intermittent fasting coach and author Lori Lewis, menopause dealt a crushing blow. Brain fog, lack of balance, memory loss, and the sudden gain of 50 pounds of stubborn hormonal fat. She tried everything she knew to feel better, and the methods that worked in the past made no difference. After four years of struggle, Lori stumbled upon intermittent fasting and started fasting that very same day. Menopausal fog lifted in less than one week. She had more energy and felt more like herself. She lost 51 pounds in 15 months and has kept it off for years. Now at 57, Lori has turned her personal success into the premier thriving intermittent fasting coaching business. As a certified health coach, she combines her knowledge of nutrition with deep research and practice of time-restricted eating. Lori guides her clients with a dream come true. Eat the foods you love and enjoy the rest of your life feeling vibrantly well. Lori, thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm so excited to chat with you about intermittent fasting. It's so great to be with you. What a joy. Thank you. You're welcome. I would love if you could start telling us about how you came to be an intermittent fasting coach. What did that story look like for you? I loved being in my 40s. I don't know how you all feel about being in your 40s, but when I hit 40, I felt like I hit my stride. I was fit. I I don't know. I just was thriving. I felt amazing. I looked amazing. I, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden perimenopause creeped in. I didn't know what was happening because they don't send us to biology class for older ladies. And then menopause crushed me. When I hit menopause early at 49, the average is 52, by the way, I suddenly gained 50 pounds. Now, most people know what they need to do to take off the weight. Do we do it? Not always. It can be, it's hard, (laughs) but I knew what to do up until that point to turn my weight around if I were struggling with that and nothing I tried worked. And I was not only dealing with the weight gain, but I was dealing with brain fog and my equilibrium, my balance was off. And I was losing my memory. I could be in a conversation with you and ask you a question. And you'd be like, you just asked me that. It was that immediate and scary. Mm -hmm. And then also hit with extreme fatigue and adrenal issues as a lot of women do in their late forties, which I learned. So after struggling for four and a half years, I was home in Colorado where I grew up for a good long visit. And my mom said, let's use this time that you're home to turn the weight around. Mm, all good moms would oh, oh, say, right? I know. Some people are like, gosh, that was so helpful of her. I'm like, my daughter ears did not hear that as helpful in any way. And I was 54 at the time and I turned into a, you know, a wailing five-year-old stomping my feet and crying like you don't understand and you know <laughs> what do you think I haven't been trying for all this time and we're just going to snap our fingers and make it better so she listened and was wonderful and really did understand that I was at the end of my rope I was at the point where and I'm an optimist by the way I'm sure you, you can tell from what you know of me and I was at the point where I had just about given up hope like oh Maybe it is all downhill from here. Maybe 
you do just get heavier and foggier and achier and more and more medications until maybe it just gets worse forever. And I couldn't, I know. I, so she looked at me and she said, let's pray for an answer. And I thought, okay, go for it. (laughs) Like, thank you. (laughs) And that night I crawled. I still had a little bit of hope left, right? Because I still got in bed and Googled the same thing that I had, which is stubborn menopausal hormonal fat helped me all the words and up popped for the first time. I'd never seen these two words together, intermittent fasting. I knew that people could do long-term therapeutic fasting for chronic illnesses. And I knew that was a thing, but I didn't know that you could pause from eating and heal your body each day and eat in an eating window, I was just amazed. And so I stayed up all night. And as the sun hit the Colorado peaks in the morning, I stumbled downstairs and I said, thanks to my mom. And I told her what I had discovered and that I was going to start that very same day. And she was so supportive. She said, how may I support you? And I started that very same day, rounding out about four years ago now. So long story short, I felt amazing immediately. So within three days, the fog lifted. I felt more like myself than I had in years, which is hard to, when you don't feel like yourself, you're trying so much to restore that and feel like yourself again. And then 15 months, I lost the 50 pounds and everyone in my life was like, how are you doing that? And in the fall of 2018, a bunch of friends cornered me at a wedding and would not let me go until I created a class. So I was a Zoom pioneer and we all gathered together during the holidays. Most people don't start a whole health regimen. with yeah, it's Halloween a terrible candy. time. <laughs> Halloween candy in one hand and then learning how to intermittent fast. And so I had this class on Zoom and It has become my full-time joy and occupation to share with people how to eat in an eating window and restore your health and ideal weight. You know, I've really picked up on a couple of things along the way there of what you said. And the first was just that you were the same things that you've always done. were not producing the same results. And I think that this is something, especially as women that we go through, and I know that for myself personally, for the first, I don't know, like through my twenties and really into the first half of my thirties, I knew exactly what I needed to do to get a specific result. And that was even through having children and, and stuff like that. And I will start with saying that I was generally a healthy weight, but if I knew that I was like putting on a little bit of weight, or if I was feeling a little bit off, I knew exactly what to add, what to cut out, what to do for exercise to get to a certain point. And then when all of a sudden you're hit with a stage of your life where suddenly the same actions are not producing the same results, and then nobody can help you. <laughs> like nobody has an idea or they have ideas, but they're not that helpful. It's incredibly frustrating. And it can be, I don't want to be dramatic and say depressing, but it can be a downer because you start to feel like you don't know your body anymore and you can't trust yourself. That was so well said. Yes, it was as if my body had been taken over by an alien. (laughs) That's what I said about pregnancy. Yes. (laughs) Well, because it's so hormonal too, that you don't, it's not only what you physically look like, there's an experience that you're not yourself. That's how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. The brain fog, the, the fatigue, all of those things, when you suddenly just don't feel your energetic self and feel like you've lost control over your physical self, like that's a really big deal. 
Did you have the experience of going through different programs with doctors or were you just doing this yourself? What kind of feedback were you getting? The first conundrum was that people in my life even said it to me too. They're like, you're the healthiest eater we know. How come you gain 50 pounds? And I'm like, it's clearly not what I'm eating. (laughs) So 20 years ago, I dated a guy one summer who was a raw vegan back when nobody ever heard of that. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. You know, (laughs) I could try anything. And I felt so well, but what that sparked in me was a real interest and curiosity in nutrition and food and fueling our bodies well. And so that's when I got my year-long certification at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. I got a health coach training for a year simply because it's my passion. I'm really interested in discovering the foods that make each individual tick. And I don't believe that there's one plan that's right for all humans. Everybody around me was like, if you eat the way you eat, which is no sugar, no processed foods, like I just love lots and lots of vegetables. And they're like, how it was just mysterious for others and for myself. So I did some other elimination diets where I cut out all alcohol. I, I tried cutting out everything. I tried to up my movement, but because I was dealing with such extreme fatigue at the same time, also it was it was impossible for me to keep running. It's not like, I'll just train for another half marathon and and lose the 50 pounds. I just couldn't. I went to two different functional medicine doctors. I actually started a deep, consistent routine of acupuncture. I, I, I literally tried everything, including adjusting my sleep. There wasn't anything that I didn't try. And some of those, most of those practices were really great in terms of my helping my overall health, but they didn't turn the weight around. They didn't turn the brain fog around. They didn't turn the memory loss around. It was intermittent fasting. So I always say that I ate the way I ate when I was lean and strong, ate the exact same way when I gained 50 pounds, and I ate the exact same way when I lost 50 pounds. The thing that was the difference was after menopause, learning how to eat in an eating window, intermittent fasting, balanced my hormones and reverse the weight. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about how that actually works. But I wanted to, for a second, put myself in your shoes that night when you discovered intermittent fasting. And I can only imagine that after you just shared with us all the things you had tried, all the things you had gone through in that moment, Did you know before you even started, this is it? Or was it, okay, this is one more thing I haven't heard about. I'm going to give it a try and see if it works. What was your mindset there? And then when you started seeing the results, obviously you were converted, but where were you in that moment? I love that question. Thank you so much. It was a bit of both. It was, well, I've tried everything. Here's another thing. I might as well go for it. So yes, there was the throwing up my hands, like what else I got, Mm -hmm. you know? But then it made so much sense to me. And I was clear right from the beginning that it's not calorie restriction. You can eat to abundance in your eating window. It just seemed so clear that it was the pause from eating and the keeping insulin low and fasting in a gentle enough way that works for you and your constitution and your system that it's not raising cortisol, it's not stressing you out. And it just made sense to me. And I have to say that I've never been interested in breakfast. So Mm. even as a teenager, I didn't feel well when I ate breakfast and I don't mind drinking black coffee actually. So that shift from 
having anything in my coffee wasn't a problem. And that shift to not having breakfast wasn't that hard for me. It wasn't a challenge to wait until noon to eat. Could you explain some of the technical basics or logistic basics of intermittent fasting? Like how do you start? What's a window? And like you just mentioned, not putting anything in your coffee, but having coffee. So can you talk a little bit about like what the air quote rules are or how it actually works? And maybe also about the window itself, like how you determine what an appropriate window for you is. Is it the same for everybody and how you get there? Okay, good. So there are a lot of parts to that question. So you all can keep me on track. Okay. So the first part is how it works is you take the 24 hour day and you divide it into, you have your fasting hours and your eating window. And I recommend that people start gradually start slowly. So all anyone has to do is think today, what time am I going to stop eating? Just pick a time. And after that, you drink plain water, you might be bored. So go to sleep early because we eat from boredom. Then add 12 hours. So let's say you said 7 p.m. tonight, I'm going to stop eating. Add 12 hours at 7 a.m. tomorrow, have your creamy coffee, have your breakfast. So that's just 12, 12. Okay. So regarding what you can have, what you're allowed to have during your fasting hours, you can find evidence on the internet that will give you permission for everything. Okay. Here's why I subscribe to the clean fast. We want to keep insulin low so we can tap into our fat stores. That's a very, very simple explanation of how it works. We also want to give our body a digestive and hormonal rest, and we don't want the body to think we're about to feed it. So the clean fast helps in two ways. It doesn't excite the body into thinking food is coming. And what makes the body think food is coming is any flavors of anything like lemon in your water or bulletproof coffee has fat in the coffee. And they say it doesn't raise insulin. All food does raise insulin to some degree, but it doesn't raise insulin so much. But I would rather burn the fat on my body than burn the fat in my coffee cup. (laughs) So we fast clean in, in my coaching and the group of people that I work with, Jen Stevens, who wrote Fast, Feast, Repeat and Delay, Don't Deny, because we want fasting to be easier and we want fasting to be more successful. Again, we want to keep insulin low, tap into our own fat stores. And if any nutrients come in at all, the body down regulates this process called autophagy, which is a deep cellular repair. So some people talk about, well, are you fasting for fat loss or fasting for autophagy? I don't know why you would choose. Fast for all the good reasons. <laughs> and the thing about making it easier is, again, if you send signals to the body, like let's say you drink mint tea all day long, you're sipping on mint tea, the body aligns itself to receive food. And when it's aligned to receive food and ready to welcome food and you don't feed it, it gets grumpy and it gets mad and it makes it hard to fast. So fasting clean, plain unflavored water, nothing in the water, sparkly water, tap, warm water, cold water, whatever. Okay. (laughs) You had me convinced that I could maybe attempt to do this when you said that you could have coffee. So coffee doesn't fall into that category. Black coffee is fine. Black coffee is fine. So here are the elements, the parts of a clean fast, plain unflavored water, plain unflavored black coffee. So no hazelnut or vanilla, (laughs) plain, Mm -hmm. unflavored, bitter black tea or green tea. So if your green tea has lemongrass or ginger, other delicious things, no, those are wonderful ingredients that are healthful and antioxidants and 
anything you ask, can I have fill in the blank? The answer is going to be have it later in your eating window. You can have what you please in your eating window. So plain water, plain coffee, plain black or green tea, plain unflavored electrolytes like minerals. So magnesium, sodium, and your medications as prescribed by your physician taken as prescribed by your pharmacist. So that's the clean fast. And then your eating window is your choice. If you're someone who loves eating in the morning and loves lunch or love wants to have dinner with your family, I really recommend starting, as I said, with 12-12 and then gradually each day extending those fasting hours just a little bit, shrinking the eating window just a little bit. And within a week or two, getting to what we would call 16-8, which could look like a lot of people like to put some guardrails on when they start in the beginning. Like I don't eat before noon and I don't eat past eight and then do that for a while, that noon to eight idea. And then you'll adjust it. And each person discovers for themselves what their fasting sweet spot is that not only matches their physiology, but also matches their lifestyle and work and all the things. Once you find your ideal, like you said, the window that matches, if I have an eight hour window, does it have to be the same eight hours every day or can I adjust it? In the beginning, it's helpful for new fasters to have it be the same so you can get used to, oh, I'm a person who eats in an eating window and I know exactly what time it's going to be. So in the beginning, having it regimented and the same is very helpful for most people. But then, yes, you move it around as life is happening. I really recommend that people get out their calendar at the beginning of the week and pencil in when your eating windows are going to be. As someone who's been intermittent fasting for four years, I don't need to do that. It's just such a natural, easy flow. I don't barely need to plan anything. But what I do plan is I get excited knowing what I'm going to be eating later or later this week. Or if I ordered a, I love the blue apron meal kits and I know what's coming and I know which one I'm going to have which night. And I get very excited about what I'm going to be eating later. And you can move your eating window around. You can make it shorter. You can make it longer. But you want to look at what your goals are also. If someone's dealing with type 2 diabetes and 100 pounds to lose, we really want to figure out pretty quickly what is that fasting and eating sweet spot for that person and make sure that we're tightening it up. And one of the things that's surprising to people is you want to make sure you're actually eating enough food. People think, oh, well, if I calorie restrict and I diet, and I intermittent fast, it'll work twice as fast. No, 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 no. You don't want to slow your metabolism. You want to eat very well, delicious, real whole foods that nourish your body well in your eating window. And that coupled with the fat burning during the fasting hours brings the metabolism up actually. So that's exciting to know. Your experience was initially intermittent fasting for weight loss, but then in the like two and a half or three years that followed, you continued the same regimen or the same process for maintenance. Is that what I understand? Yes. That night in early June, 2017, as I was Googling and discovering what intermittent fasting is, my primary, yes, I desperately wanted to feel better. Mm -hmm. I had no idea when I read that and started it, that I would feel better in all the ways so instantly. So I started for weight loss for sure, because nothing would turn it around. And then within three days, I felt better. 
Then within the first three months, my plantar fasciitis went away, which I don't know if you all have ever had that debilitating. I had it for 10 years. It shoots pain up from the bottoms of your feet, especially in the morning as you're putting your feet on the floor for the first time. It's brutal. It's rough. And it went away. So that's an inflammatory disease. And so having an intermittent fasting schedule brings inflammation down and regulates the body really in all those ways. So initially you wanted to feel better and you wanted to lose weight and they kind of ended up going together, right? So you created this fasting window for yourself and you were already eating healthy, which I think is really important to emphasize that you're not eating like donuts during the day on a regular basis. You already had a healthy lifestyle. You just needed to augment it with something else. And so that was this intermittent fasting. So you started doing this and it resulted in weight loss. And then you just continued with the same routine for maintenance. And it just became your lifestyle. It wasn't meant for like a period of time. It just continued as your lifestyle. That's right. Now that's hard for people to get their head around because we typically live our life, how we live it. And we eat what we eat and we exercise, we move the way we, we just live life. And then we think, gosh, I'm not feeling well, or I have this extra weight to lose. So I need to change everything so that I can achieve this goal. And then when I achieve the goal, I'll just go back to doing what I was doing before. This is not like that because this so matches the design of our bodies. Our bodies are so grateful for the gift. When you start clean fasting every day, it's like, oh my gosh, thank goodness I can have a rest and I can focus on the restorative aspects of this deep cellular repair that happens and head to toe and building our immunity and decreasing inflammation. And because it feels so good, When I hit that amazing day when I could get out my box of old clothing that I'd saved, cute clothes that I wanted to fit into again, and everything fit, why would I change a thing? So people are like, well, don't you just keep getting skinnier and skinnier? It's like, no, the body reaches its ideal point. Yes. That was going to be my next question. Yeah. Your body just finds its equilibrium. It finds its equilibrium. And I felt so good. And I'll never forget, actually, I was a few, I don't know, maybe five months into intermittent fasting and I was in New York having lunch. So I'd moved my eating window to lunchtime with a friend. And she said, what are you going to do when you reach your goal? And it hit me. I was like, what am I going to do? What do you mean? What am I going to do when I reach my goal? I feel, and I reached my goal like a year later, but that moment was so eye opening to me. It was such a light bulb. I thought, this isn't a thing I'm doing short term. This is where I feel amazing. I have no more aches and pains. I, it's like, why would I change anything? I love eating in my eating window and I love my fasting hours. There's no deprivation in the fasting hours. I get to eat delicious food later and I'm healing now. And so when that day came, when all the clothes fit, yeah, I didn't change a thing. And so right now I've been in maintenance for two and a half years, which is a miracle. I'm really a statistic in a good way. The very, very rare person, first of all, a woman over 50, set out to lose weight, actually do. And then once I achieve that ideal weight scenario for myself, I haven't gained anything back, even during COVID. So I put on a few pounds early, maybe five pounds, and it just came right off because I think it was a stress pounds. Of course, I think we've all experienced that. And I think that's valuable for people right now, even who aren't experiencing the menopausal weight gain that you've 
talked about and was your personal experience. It sounds, first of all, like all of us could benefit from intermittent fasting, period. But especially in this post-COVID world we're in now where we're all trying to get back to our regular situation. But the question I have for you is, obviously, it works. But I want to know more. I want to understand what is it that's actually going on in your body when you're giving your body that rest period? And how are you shifting how your body is processing food by giving it that rest? What does that look like? The rest is complete. It is, if you think of every facet of your body, when you're pausing from eating, your body is healing that area. So when people say, does intermittent fasting work for, and fill in the blanks, it's like, The answer to all those questions is yes. (laughs) Does it work for my psoriasis? Yes. Does it work for warding off Alzheimer's? Yes. Does it work to normalize my blood sugar and get me out of pre-diabetic range and normalize my A1C? Yes. It's a yes to everything. Mm -hmm. We have over 80 hormones that are all in this network hierarchy of communications, little chemical messengers. They all have their jobs. And some are actually more important than others, I hate to say, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and someone who's an endocrinologist would be like, this is the lamest explanation <laughs> of hormones ever. But people seem to understand it when I say it like that. So insulin is one of those super duper important ones. And its primary job is to grab blood glucose and bring it down and normalize blood sugar. But it's also has the job of storing fat. (laughs) Mm. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. So we in our society now, because we eat all the time, and when I say eat, I also mean drink flavored drinks. So even if you look at the can or the bottle and you're like, there are no calories in here, so it's okay. We drink flavored drinks all the time, which keeps our insulin up. So people have this high level of circulating insulin, which causes us to be what they call insulin resistant. So insulin can't even do its job anymore. Mm. It's flying high. It's like, I'm trying really hard. It's high circulating insulin, storing fat, storing fat, storing fat, not able to work, not able to bring that blood sugar down. And we are in this constant state of insulinemia. That's a hard word to say. So right now I'm drinking a sparkling water that has cucumber mint in the flavor. Mm -hmm. So there's no artificial sweeteners in it. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the ingredients. It's carbonated water, but natural flavor. Right. So this, even though there's no like carbohydrates in it, there's no sugar in it or anything or artificial sweeteners, it still falls into that category of spiking insulin or or contributing to the insulin spike. Yeah. Because your body- Oh, you're ruining my life right now. (laughs) It's going to be so delicious for you to have that later. (laughs) So (laughs) your body perceives that as cucumber mint. That's wonderful. (laughs) I know. There are no calorie receptors in the body. The body only understands flavor and nutrients. So your body actually thinks you're about to feed it cucumber and mint and it gets ready, it gets aligned. So have you ever noticed that when you drink that, you get hungry after? I haven't noticed, but I'm just going to go with you on it that it probably does. So, Yeah, I recommend that people try the clean fast challenge. So Jen Stevens, as I said earlier, wrote a book called Delay, Don't Deny. It's like an amazing chat with a smart, entertaining friend to understand a little bit about intermittent fasting. And then in 2020, she published a 
now New York Times bestseller called Fast, Feast, Repeat. And there are two entire chapters on the clean fast with the research links that you can understand the medical studies that show that any flavors cause our body to align to receive food. And one of the ways that it aligns is raises insulin. This is so important because I'll tell you that when I've talked to some doctors about it at 40, the comment was, one thing to consider is that your metabolism is slowing and part of it, this is just a math problem. So increase activity and consider decreasing intake. And I will fully admit that I could afford to decrease the intake. So I'm going to be realistic about that. But it's so much more than a math problem. And the idea that your body prepares to receive food as opposed to just dealing with the calories that come in is <laughs> like really, I don't know, it's making me pause and think. Good. Try drinking plain unflavored bubbly water in the morning and save the minty cucumber okay. as a treat. <laughs> Thank you. The thing about calories in, calories out is it actually makes sense. It's so logical right? You take out of this bucket and you put in this bucket and then the result is going to be that you get smaller because that just makes sense. Except it doesn't work that way. Weight loss is totally hormonal. And if you think about the people in the Biggest Loser shows and study, those poor people got down to like eating 500 calories a day and exercising morning, noon, and night. And they couldn't maintain that. Nobody can live like that. So everybody knows what it feels like to be on a diet where you eat all these little teeny tiny unsatisfying meals. Well, if you took all those same calories, air quotes, that all that same food and moved it to an eating window, you'd be giving yourself the gift of repair and healing during those fasting hours. And then if you took all that same food and you ate it in your eating window, it's incredibly satisfying. So you save yourself this horrible experience of never being satisfied with those little tiny meals throughout the day. And you give yourself the gift of keeping insulin low, tapping into your fat stores, fueling your brain on ketones, warding off Alzheimer's, and then having the enjoyment and the pleasure and the satisfaction of eating until hunger is gone, which you do when you're eating in your eating window. And I'm glad you just mentioned ketones because I do know a lot of people who have done keto or who live a keto lifestyle. And they say that pairing it with intermittent fasting really enhances the results, particularly so not just the, the visible physical results around weight loss or weight maintenance, but around the mental clarity. And I know that was a big part of what your issues were. So what's the relationship there between ketosis or, or how this brings you to ketosis versus restricting carbohydrates. So the ketogenic diet is amazing. And it was designed in the twenties for epileptic children to keep them alive. <laughs> Intermittent fasting gets you into ketosis four times more than just eating the ketogenic diet. But if you combine the two, you're right. If you eat fewer carbohydrates and you combine that with intermittent fasting, that for some people can be very effective, especially people with who are dealing with type 2 diabetes and need their blood sugar to come down ASAP and lose a considerable amount of weight. However, that said, a lot of bodies, mine included, need a lot more carbohydrates. We're all different. Our DNA is different. Our constitution is different. Like my body thrives on a baked potato. <laughs> And someone who eats keto would say that's not great for them. But for most people, eating the ketogenic diet is not sustainable. 
for most people, we need more carbs than that. So again, it's a discovery of what foods work for you. And the way to discover that is through the quiet that intermittent fasting provides. Here's what happens. When we clean fast consistently, we have an appetite center in our brain. It's run by hormones and our hunger hormones and our satiety hormones. And our body actually has the ability to tell us what foods it needs and how much food it needs, except our apostat is broken because we eat all the time. And so because of intermittent fasting, when you can heal that apostat, the appetite center, this miraculous thing starts happening that our body actually informs us what it wants us to eat and what it does not want us to eat. And the foods it doesn't want us to eat get pretty pronounced. It's pretty obvious when you eat something that your body doesn't want you to have, you don't feel well. Whereas before intermittent fasting, that wasn't as discernible. The other aspect of appetite correction is that your body tells you when you've had enough. And it's literally the experience of enough, stop eating now. Don't have the rest of that. We're done. (laughs) And when we talk about it, it's impossible to imagine. But then when it happens to you, you're like, oh, now I know what you meant. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I'm hearing is even if you don't have weight to lose, even if you're not struggling with that particular issue, intermittent fasting can help all around. And getting back to one of the other benefits you described, the cellular repair that happens I imagine that even for people who are operating with a relatively good diet, they are getting exercise and feel really healthy and like they're doing well, intermittent fasting could even enhance their lives. Absolutely. So people who are elite athletes, for example, are training and even competing in a fasted state because they're stronger, have more stamina and can lift heavier things. I like to say that whatever's important to you intermittent fasting makes it better. For example, if your prayer and meditation and reflection time is important, intermittent fasting makes that time clearer and quieter and more effective. If your fitness is important to you, fasting makes it better. If your food choices are important to you, fasting makes that easier. If your work productivity and clarity and your ability to communicate well is important to you, fasting makes it better. Fasting even makes us more patient with our children and with our loved ones. And Which seems counterintuitive to me at this moment because I am envisioning starting the intermittent fasting and being super hangry. <laughs> I was just going to say hangry coming in. That's right. But once you get through the first two weeks, once you've used up the glycogen stores in your liver and your body naturally is metabolically flexible and switching naturally and easily into fat burning, there isn't that challenge of hangry because the body knows, oh, good, we've got a fuel source right here. Now we we know how to tap into it. And it, that hangry, that won't last long. When people say, oh, yeah, I've tried intermittent fasting off and on, I think, why would you put yourself through that torture? Because every time you stop and start and stop and start, you have to go through that adjustment phase again. Yes. Get to the other side of it. Fast clean, chip away at the glycogen stores in your liver, become metabolically flexible so your body just trusts and knows it can easily shift into fat burning and just keep doing yes. that. <laughs> Don't stop. So you wouldn't recommend that people adopt intermittent fasting as a weight loss mechanism. But if you're truly interested in trying it as a lifestyle shift, that's where you're going to see the benefit. And how long do you give that initial phase? What time frame do we put on that hurdle to overcome? Well, I want to back up a little. I do recommend that people approach it as a thing that 
matches the body. So I'm going to do it forever, which is really impossible for people to imagine. And it's fine. Whatever reasons people come to it, if it's for weight loss, if it's for warding off Alzheimer's, if it's to help mitigate the pain of Crohn's disease and any other autoimmune diseases, whatever reasons people are inspired to start, go for it. And how long do we have to suffer through hangry (laughs) until we get to the other side? So it depends on what you eat and your overall health and how much stored glycogen is in your system. So it's between two to four weeks. Okay, It's mostly around the two week part in my observation and coaching thousands of people. What happens is the first week is much easier than people imagine. So that's why I start people in 12-12 gradually ease up to 16.8. That first seven to 10 days, people are like, this is amazing. This is not hard at all. There are moments of hunger waves, but you realize that hunger comes and goes. It doesn't build and build and people feel amazing. Then between weeks two and three, at that point that the liver has reduced most of the glycogen and the body's like, feed me now, because it doesn't realize that it can shift into tapping into your fat stores. That's a challenging hump. You can be a little moody and edgy. And I warn people to apologize to your family. Mm -hmm. But once you're over that hump, then you can really up your exercise in the fasted state. You can schedule meetings, presentations to deliver in a fasted state. You'll be clearer and more focused and not sluggish. And you won't have those afternoon terrible dips where you have to have a quadruple espresso at 3.30 through the rest of the day. Your energy gets very even. A lot of this conversation has been around women of a certain age, right? Where a lot of it is focusing on women who are perimenopausal or going through or have gone through menopause and specifically women. Have you found that it is equally as effective for men? And does age matter? So if someone is younger, does intermittent fasting have a similar effect? Absolutely. Most of my clients are definitely women over 40. And I coach people, men and women of all ages. I think of one guy coaches in his late 20s. He's a high powered, successful real estate broker in New York City, all ages. And people, men and women all struggle with sugar addiction and weight gain. And I mean, plenty of men are like, wow, you know, have just carrying excess weight around the middle and the exercise isn't getting it off anymore. And we have challenges with ultra processed food addiction. It's designed to keep us addicted. Yeah. Intermittent fasting. And then that appetite correction really helps all people. Yeah. We need to keep insulin low and tap into our fat stores and have our cholesterol numbers normalize and blood pressure normalizing is one of the first things that happens for most people when they start fasting. So if someone is listening and they're considering this as something for themselves, what would your like top maybe two or three tips be to get going? Like if I want to start on this as a new lifestyle for myself. I would a hundred percent honor the clean fast. Don't try and sneak things in because you think it'll make the fasting more entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking bearable, but entertaining is another way to talk about it. It's entertaining, right. And (laughs) the opposite is true. It doesn't actually make it more bearable. It makes it harder. So just black tea, green tea, black coffee, and not flavored water, right? Those are my go-tos. That's right. And just set a time a little bit later that you're going to 
open your eating window today. So if you normally roll out of bed and pop something in your mouth, just wait, just wait. Just notice whatever time it is and say, you're going to eat that in an hour or you're going to see if you can go till noon. That's some people just rip the bandaid off and go straight to we're all different. So experiment for yourself, but the rip the bandaid off people or the run straight out of the shoots people can get a little overzealous and you just want to ease in. This is not something that's supposed to stress you out or raise cortisol or be hard at all. So just delay your eating just one more hour this morning. And know for sure what time you're going to close that eating window tonight. It doesn't have to be this big thing that you announce to everyone that you're intermittent fasting now. It's like, no, just have it be a gentle, quiet, peaceful thing that you know what time you're going to start eating and you know what time you're going to stop eating. And each day is a new day. Lori, I love that advice. So good and so much easier to adopt that way. And to be gentle with yourself in the process is so important. Yeah. We really love to ask all of our guests a couple of questions at the end of our interview, Lori. So I hope you're up for this. One thing we acknowledge is that while we have a lot of priorities in life and various things that take our attention at any given point in time, there may be one thing that you're very focused on. Is there something in your life right now that you would say is taking a lot of your attention and a top priority for you where you're shifting a lot of your balance right now? I would. So I'm at the point now where I've had a successful intermittent fasting coaching business, leading group programs and coaching people one-on-one for two and a half years, which is a miracle. I mean, I love every second of it. I'm at the point though, where I'm literally working seven days a week, morning, noon, and night from 12 hours a day. I'm I'm in the Pacific time zone. So I'm coaching people in Africa and New Zealand and Japan. And everywhere. Oh, wow. And I love being flexible and I love coordinating time that works for my amazing clients. I can't work anymore. <laughs> and even though I love it, I'm at the point where people talk about scaling your business. I'm like, hmm, how am I going to design this, automate this so that it's easier for me and easier for everyone and more people can benefit from my coaching and my classes. So yeah, I am at that threshold of discovery and creating. Also, my business is called Fast Forward, fastforwardwellness.com, but my group Mm -hmm. programs are called Fast with Lori. Well, there's a branding issue of, I want people to know no matter where or how they find me, that recognition of brand identity and brand consistency. And so I'm also looking at all aspects of my brand, my my expression of my business and myself and what I care about and who I'm reaching out to. So yeah, you've caught me at a doorway where I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) how do I pause? That's a great problem to have and a huge transition point for your business. That's fantastic. And are you, just out of curiosity, how are you navigating that? How are you finding those solutions? Are you working with a coach yourself on your business or finding experts to help guide you through that? How are you handling that? Yeah, I think all coaches should have coaches. I think you should be highly suspicious of a coach who doesn't have a Uh coach of their own. So yes, and I've also just put the request out to the universe, which is, okay, 
bring me the people or the person who's going to help me navigate this and lay out. I mean, I've got a branding expert. I've got so many good people who I've hired around me to support me. And yet there's this long game, this looking out ahead and then designing the structure and the strategies and the tactics for what will the business look like Mm -hmm. a year from now, five years from now, and what do I need to put in place now to have that happen? And part of me feels like, do I just stop everything and do this? I I don't have that luxury. So yeah, so I've got good people around me and I'm reaching out for more. Fantastic. And in what areas of your life then are you maybe letting go of some things or giving yourself grace to allow yourself to navigate this transition and focus more energy there? I have used this year, so I live alone. I have relished in this quiet time for the last year. And I have focused 100% on my well-being, my emotional health, and I have a little dog. So it's been an amazing Mm -hmm. quiet time. I also spent half of 2020 caring for my ailing mom 24-7. My brother and I Mm -hmm. took care of her until she passed in October. And so I have been dealing with grief and letting go and emptying out her house. And that is just finished when we sold the house without putting it on the market. And it's kind of like, huh. So I'm in no hurry to rush back out into life. And I really love my interactions with my clients and my loved ones in the way that we connect digitally. Mm -hmm. I have this amazing little nest of a home here in Portland, Oregon. My life is gentle and quiet, and I'm literally designing it exactly in the way that's nourishing for me. That is so important. And yeah, I identify so much with what you just said. I think personally, I'm looking at this transition back to normal, so to speak, as something I'm not really looking forward to. I'm almost like I didn't appreciate enough the quiet downtime that we had over the course of the last year. And it sounds like you really embraced that and made the most of it and will carry that with you, even though you're stepping back into things and doing some business building and transition points. So yeah, I love that. Thank you. And are there any tools, habits, things that you've adopted as you're navigating all of this that you could share with our listeners that might be beneficial to them? The realization that we don't need to eat all the time is really important. Mm -hmm. And just because that fridge is inches away (laughs) doesn't mean you can't wait until later to eat. And I think for me also, again, I'll say having a coach, coaches have coaches, people, we need wise others to show us the things that we can't see ourselves and to help us achieve what's important to us. So having a coach is really important. And my meditation practice is really important. That time to be quiet and sit and people like, I can't do that. My mind goes crazy. It's like, that's the point. (laughs) Of course, your mind will go crazy. That's we're human beings. That's Mm -hmm. what happens. But that habit, that ritual of pausing and sitting quietly, whether it's five minutes or an hour is really important to my wellness and my success. Yeah, and I imagine that having all of those lifestyle pieces kind of already in place as part of your routine was really, was one, helpful going through this, the time of the pandemic where you're with yourself, but also in grieving for your mom. I'm sorry for your loss. Thank you. 
And I thank you so much for being with us today. I feel like I actually even just have more questions after our conversation. So I have like more research to do on my own, but I think this is really enlightening. And I know our listeners are going to be interested if they want to get more information about you, where can they find you on, you know, social media or your website? How can they reach out to you? Thank you, Donna. My website is fastforwardwellness.com and people can read about the group programs or the one-on-one coaching, learn a little bit more about intermittent fasting. And I created a workbook. So it was important to me to have a very simple tutorial for people to learn how to start, learn what to say to others, to track their progress, to write down their feelings and challenges and contemplations. So my workbook is called Celebrating Your Vibrant Future, Intermittent Fasting for Women 44 to Forever. And that's on Amazon. If people want to spend $15 and have a 90-day tutorial and journey with the workbook, it's really special. I'm proud of it. That's fantastic. Again, thank you so much for being with us. We'll put that information in our show notes as well. So you didn't get to write it down. You can find it there. Lori, be well. Thank you for all that you've shared and come back. I would love to have this conversation again down the line at some point. So thank you. I would absolutely love that. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Be well. Be well.